Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. It's the Irish Times Second Captains Podcast. All my David, Kieran Murphy. Hello there, all. And Ken Early. Hi, how are you? Are all here and all very excited about Andy Lee's world title defence in Brooklyn this Saturday night, the early hours of Sunday morning. Andy and his opponent Peter Quillen had the honour of ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange this week. Just looking at a few of the photos, a few of the shots here, a couple of things I've noticed. Firstly, Andy's the worst boxer I've ever seen for trying to be really mean and angry in the traditional boxer mm. stare down. I know, Andy, that you're one of the sports great, great gentlemen and you respect the man you're going to be into the ring with. But, you know, work with us here a little. There's, there's these two straight up don't like each other, remember? You can quite clearly see these guys get on actually really well. Yeah. And Andy's sort of smiling in the, in the shots where he's supposed to be staring at. Secondly, official boxing statistics can sometimes be misleading. As Andy points out himself on his Twitter feed, a supposed one-inch height difference above a photo of him towering over <laughs> tiny little Peter Quillen, a much squatter individual. Yeah, well, they're saying it's one-inch. One it looks, well, it looks closer to four inches at least, mm. doesn't it? Is four inches that... T- no, I think I think four inches... I don't know if it's four right. inches. Well, it depends. There's diff- there are diff- different shots. There's a thing, Murph, called... Um, Perspective? Perspective, I think you yeah. might call it. Yeah, we can have a little chat about it off air. But there are different photos indicating different height differences. But I would say, uh, we're, I'd say we're looking at at least two or three inches. Mm. I'm, I'm thinking probably Kid Chocolate might have had a thought and said, maybe today, if ever there was a day for Cuban heels, it's today a bit, could be that day. It is a huge fight, in obviously, for Andy. But even in, in the US, it's one of the first ones back on NBC on uh, NBC TV, uh, Terrestrial, the upwards of Dave Hannigan was writing in the Irish Times today, possibly uh, over 3 million people watching. Live radio as well. He's up against an undefeated contender. So this is, it's all a bit old school, uh, which I quite like. Uh, funny enough, over here, I haven't got the sense it's been a huge amount of media coverage. Well, there hasn't been a huge amount of media yeah. coverage. Bits and pieces here and there, which is maybe just says something about how boxing is viewed now by... By main, mainstream media, I guess. Uh, I don't know yeah. what it says. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you, he's, such, he's such a compelling sportsman. Just yeah. the, the way he won the world title was so amazing, and he's he straight up 
first up fight up, he's uh, defending it against an undefeated fighter. You just think would create a little yeah. more in the way. And you know, you, you well, I mean, it, it may have something to do with the fact that I mean, I remember watching that fight, but that it, it's on. It's hard to watch. It's, it's on a, watch a channel yeah. that nobody has. It's on Box, Box Nation. Nation. And that fight was on in the middle of the night. I mean, it, I, I have a vague memory of it being about half three or four in the morning. Oh, that one was a, a half four. Yeah, yeah. But this one should be a good bit earlier than that. Yeah, it's the second yeah, absolutely. Last fight. But you know that. I mean, I think it's that. That's one big reason maybe why you know. Uh, yeah, 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 but Katie, Ta- you know, you don't necessarily see all of well, Katie nobody Taylor's saw fights. Kate, nobody saw yeah. Katie Taylor's fight. But everyone, yeah, I mean, there was, there, it was reported that it was reported that Katie Taylor had won a world championships medal, but like nobody saw the fight. Well, it was on at half. It was on about half five in the morning or something like that on TG Car. Yeah. And Orty would stream those fights as well, but it's a similar. And yet, Katie obviously does get a lot of a lot of coverage. I'm not trying to equate the two in terms of. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I think f- uh, for those of us who will uh, be watching, and it, apparently from 1:30 a.m. Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, it will very quickly become clear the size of the sporting occasion that Andy Lee is actually taking part in on Saturday night. Uh, you're talking about 18,000 people in the Barclays Centre, which is where the Brooklyn Nets play their uh, home games, like an absolutely amazing arena. Um, and he's the, he's the champ. He's he's the guy that's defending the the belt that's up for grabs. So I mean, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And certainly, kind of last weekend, you know, you're talking about the countdown to the fight six days from the fight, and there was really very little coverage of Andy. Um, in the Sunday papers, I think it's picking up a little bit as we get closer to the weekend, um, and that's and that's brilliant. But how much effect it has on Andy Lee? I mean, oh, I think there was zero effect on his approach to the fight. It's, yeah, uh, well, yeah, but I mean, it's it, you know, Andy Lee can't do anything about that. Andy can't do anything about that. Um, all he can do is continue to win fights in unbelievably dramatic circumstances and defend his world title belt, and it will. It will all come. We'll chat to Andy's promoter, Lou DeBella, on today's podcast, and we're talking U.S. Masters, which was already exciting a lot of people before this happened. And here's Jack at number four. It's 130-yard par three across the water. Really, really a good golf hole. What a beautiful play. Come on, come on, come on, Jack. Yes. Ah, yes! (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Yes, old Jack. Only in golf could a man of Jack Nicholas's vintage uh, light up a, a tournament and get commentators as excited as that with a hole in one in the par three tournament. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it, it was pretty cool. A lot of uh, a lot of men of Jack Nicholas's vintage very excited about it as well as Jack Nicholas. The Nicholas roar. Yeah, across. Uh, Across the gusty, hold those four hundred acres. Nice story from Shane Lowry's column today. Would you like to hear it? Ken? Oh, go on. He. It was really it was quite a touching column in terms of it's his first time in Augusta and just in terms of his own experience of it he's absolutely blown away and all those kind of things but he's there chip, chipping away I think he's taking a few bunker shots with Potter Carrington who was standing around they have been chatting he's there sh- shooting hitting the bunker shots turns around there's Tiger Woods just chatting to Potter Carrington watching Shane Lowry take shots he thought that's pretty cool mm. Tiger Woods is watching me yeah it's yeah. like it's like the ad <laughs> It's basically the ad. Yeah, kind of is actually. What, the Rory McIlroy ad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tiger saying Rory could chat. Is that what he says? I don't know if it, it, Shane Larry didn't say whether or not Tiger, Tiger actually complimented hop, on him yeah, anything. Hopped into the book and said, listen, you know, I don't know what the hell you're trying to do here. What, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think of the ad? I thought it was okay. 
He, loved, was, he loves it, didn't you? No, not particularly. Well, see, I saw a lot of... I, I came to it about three days too late. <laughs> saw a lot of tweets about, oh, goosebumps and everything. So maybe I, I was over... I had a higher expectation of what it was. It was obviously very well done. Yeah. I thought the acting from the dad was quite good. Yeah, you liked it? Yeah. Just, you know... I thought, I mean, thought he... You know, it's one of the best acting performances I've seen in the dad. Yeah. It's, Just it's, understated. Yeah, it, under, it was about the only thing that you could say was understated about that act. <laughs> <laughs> I would say everything else... Was reassuringly. Where uh, are those heartstrings? Let's just rip them apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a good time. Probably it, it was actually. Time, it yeah. was kind of funny. Rory was being asked about it on Monday. You know, and, and it goes. <laughs> kind of got the impression. Okay, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say that my paylords may have. Uh, Paylords. My may have paymasters. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Pay, I like paylords. paylords. Paylords is good actually. Your paylords. Yeah. Uh, my paylords have uh, <laughs> overblown this whole me and Tiger <laughs> thing, you know. Let's face it, he was a good golfer when I was growing up, so I said, you know, I, I'd like to be a good golfer. Tiger Woods is also a good golfer. Um, but, you know, I suppose for that $125 million US, uh, US dollar yeah. contract. Yeah, you seem transfixed by the ad, Ken. Just the things that I was saying. He's, he's like, it's wet there, isn't it? Says things like that. You're like, yeah, that's a, that's a very realistic. Didn't thing. Didn't stop young Rory though going out and playing in the wet. No, of course not. Well, that's that. That, that was the passion. Kind of the point. That was the passion that he had. You see, that was uh, how determined he was to instilled in him by Nike brand golf. ambassador Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> now is as good a time as any to let you know that the Irish Times Fantasy Golf is back and better than ever. If you think you know your stuff and you like the sound of a fifteen thousand euro prize, get on it. FantasyGolf.IrishTimes.com free to enter fantasy golf and that number that amount again is fif- to enter no no the, the prize it's 15,000 euro to enter an- and uh, the prize <laughs> is no it's free to enter and it's a 15,000 euro f- prize and it's fantasygolf.irishtimes.com it's an almost obscene jackpot oh, it's an incredible it jackpot has the Pope had anything to say you could, <laughs> you, could, you could buy an incredible set of golf clubs you could actually maybe even just one amazing club just a new mm. driver. Solid gold. <laughs> Lawrence Donegan is at Augusta. Malachi Clerken has joined us in studio. And Malachi Shane Lowry, the banner headline from the article I mentioned today in the Irish Times is Augusta is the most amazing place I have ever seen. You've been there. Is it up there for you? Well, without uh, looking to uh, annoy too many people in the Midlands, it's better than Offaly anyway. Immediate taking out of earphones yeah. all around the Midlands. Um, yeah, uh, look, it's it's... It's a kind of a, it's sort of like Narnia, really. You kind of walk through the gate, like Augusta itself. The town is a bit of a kip, really. Right. Um, but out on the edge of it, like sort of rising up out of the horizon, like the Emerald City, is this uh, this piece o- of other world, this I guess. piece of green velvet uh, paradise that they they do their best not to allow anybody into. <laughs> <laughs> but it's ah, uh, look, you you. I was there twice, uh, and every year I went, uh, kind of. You know, determined not to get sort of totally sucked in because I think people get really bored of golf writers and all kind of waxing about sure, this. Sure, yeah. It's place. the grass. I mean, you've never seen grass. Yeah, already. yeah, yeah there are more I, interesting things. Exactly. Surely, but yeah. um, but uh, after a few hours in the place, you kind of you kind of <laughs> submit. Really, There's, did you get particularly good ones? The the ones you went to, I got one good one and one kind of crappyish one. I got, I was two thousand and nine when Cabrera beat uh, Kenny Perry and if I'm right, Chad mm. Chad Campbell. Not oh god, I can't even remember the dude's. That's uh, no, all right. Yeah, uh, in the in the playoff, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. then the second year Mickelson won. 
and so it was, it was great. It, um, made, it made up for the. Well, it, I know. I mean, like, yes. it, it, it's not terrible, but uh, like the, the, in 2009, Woods and Mickelson went out on the final day. I think in the same group, or at least in consecutive groups, miles off the pace, and made a huge charge. Both of them, like, I think they both did the front nine in like 30 and 31. And that place was electrified, like all around the sort of 400 acres of it. It was absolutely electrified for like an hour when it looked like these two guys were going to come and chase it. But it, it turned out to be a damp enough squib in the end. But look, it's, it's great. I, I suggest to anybody who gets the chance to go to the Masters, go to the Well, Lawrence Donegan is over there now. Lawrence, have you been sucked in by the magic again this year? Well, I mean, it might be better than Offaly, but it's not better than Donegal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have actually I mean I haven't been for I think it's this is you know, three years or something I can't remember and you come back and although I would talk about obsequiousness of the American television media uh, you know the, I mean there really is the, uh, the, I've never seen the grass so deeply green as it, <laughs> as it is this year you know. here's a little thing that I've noticed since coming back being away for a couple of years but a lot of the grass away from the fairways you know where the spectators are, spectators walk is now astroturf Right. Ah. So, so there. So it's slightly fakish, uh, but the I mean, it's a great spot actually. Um, it's a great golf course actually. Believe it or not, um, and it's really good to be back. It, again, you, you come here every year, or every every year you come here and you think, oh God, this is going to be amazing. But I mean, the fact that you know the level of oh my God, this is going to be amazing is cranked up to eleven. You know, uh, you know, with, obviously with the Rory stuff. But I mean, once again, Tiger. You know his ability to fascinate is, is is you know is limitless. You know everybody. I mean today be, I think he's, I think he's in the last group out today or something. Uh, I mean that's what everybody's waiting for. That's again once again he's the story. You know will he completely humiliate himself? But you could actually make the case that I mean his career's on the line over the next two days. You know if he comes out and shoots two eighties, then I think we can see Adios Tiger Woods. Uh, you know as a as a force at this kind of level it's going to be absolutely brilliant you know, I don't know about you Lawrence but Tiger's press conference display on Tuesday was all singing all dancing all laughing he's turned me right around on the guy has he turned you around <laughs> no of course not he's, I tell you he's got uh, he might not have a new golf game but he's certainly got new PR people that's for sure uh, it's, you know it's all you know the, the kind of iPod stuff and the, oh god the iPod stuff and the, you know, well, what, what was the iPod stuff he's, he's being asked well, what's was, on his iPod was, this kind of yeah. stuff well, he was on the. Actually, funny. That's a quite. A, I mean, a quick note. Sorry, not to bore you, but a couple, two or three years ago, Poulter turned up and he had his iPod buds in on the putting green, and they came and tapped him on the shoulder and told him to get get him out. This is not allowed at Augusta National. <laughs> and here, and lo and behold, Tiger turns up on Monday straight onto the chipping green with his earbuds in, and he's dancing away or whatever, yeah. and they just leave him. So the next day, Poulter wheels up with the the biggest, brightest pair of headphones you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> So good on Poulter. So there's all that stuff. He wheels out the kids for the par three kind of. I mean, it's, it's almost the anti-Tiger, and there's a full, a real push on. I think behind the scenes, his agents and all that are pushing this. So he's a changed man and all that. I, I'm sorry, you know, I was here for the famous press conference and after the scandal in 2010, and mm. I'm not buying it. You know, uh, let's see. You know, you can't hide who you are. So uh, you know, I, let's see how long it lasts. You, you know, let, let me see. Let, yeah, sorry, I'm 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 a bit cynical, and that sounds terrible, but I really am. But do you know what? You know, I'd love to see him come back as a golfer. I mean, I just think the place misses him. You know, he's I mean, at his best, he's compelling. He's a, he's he's actually a compelling personality as well, simply because he is so complicated and and dark in a way. You know, and, you know, he's a kind of very complex. Oh, I mean, Shakespearean kind of character, isn't he? 
Malik, are you buying it? The new Tiger? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 and it's funny, I, I was, I'd be interested, actually, in, in what Lawrence thinks. I, I, I didn't see the point, or I'd, I'd like to see the point. I'd, li- I'd like to work out why. Like, he's 39 years old. He spent, he spent all of his last 20 years being famous and, you know, having a, a, a front to present to the world. Uh, I don't know, what, what is the point of changing that? Yeah. What do you think, Lawrence? Well, well, uh, well, uh, we are we're in the kind of post-competitor era, almost, mm-hmm. or we're heading towards it, aren't we? I mean, he's got he's got a couple of golf courses on the go in Mexico. He's got a couple in the states. He's now got a couple in China. I mean, he's you know he's got a, he's opening a restaurant, believe it or not, down in Florida, near Palm Beach, Florida. You know, we are. I think he's facing to the future. You know, and it's all part of the. You know the kind of marketing of the you know the post career Tiger Woods. You know he's seen the way that Michael Jordan does it. I'm, you know, and he, I think somewhere deep within himself, I think he's accepted that he's not going to beat these kids anymore. You know, he's not going to beat the Rory McIlroy. I mean, right now, ask yourself this: Rory's best against Tiger's best. I mean, Tiger would Rory would need to give him five shots aside almost. You know, not obviously, but you know, he'd have to give him two or three shots aside. So I, I think it's all part of the, you know, looking ahead, you know, to his 40s. And, you know, there's no shame in that. But uh, let's see it for, for what it is. Mm. Uh, preparing for the after-dinner circuit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't yeah, see him as, yeah. a, as a Rodney Marsh type. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an, evening, an evening with Tiger. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if, if, has he taken some of the heat off Rory this week? Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, Rory's press conference was the dampest of dampest squibs the other day. I mean, I think Rory was quite happy with that as well. I mean, it's all, it really is. It's all Tiger all the time. And Rory's coming in. You know, if you actually examine the way that Rory's coming into this uh, tournament, he is uh, hasn't been playing especially well. Um, we'll see this golf, this golf course. You know, he had a, I think he finished eighth last year and he was famously leading, of course, after three rounds in 2011. But, I mean, it hasn't been his most favourite uh, hunting ground, you'd have to say. Um, so it's all very nice for him. He's coming in. There's not a lot of attention. I mean, if you think about it, he's actually going for the career Grand Slam. I think he'd be the second youngest in history after Tiger. Um, so, and there's been virtually no attention on him. Must be, must be great. Just on Tiger's game, actually, you uh, refer, uh, Lawrence referred to it there, Maliki, but Murph, we were chatting before we came on and uh, you read, was it an article or a TV piece? Yeah, it was... Which th- sort of outlined what f- fellow pros are thinking about where Tiger's at. Yeah, so Sports Illustrated and Golf.com mm. gather four journalists and anonymous pro around a table and, or, you know, around a virtual table at least yeah. and ask them the same questions and what's Tiger's game like? And the overview that they presented was apocalyptically bad. I mean, you know, you just couldn't believe how downbeat they were about his actual golf game as it stands. Yeah, well, I mean, now. it certainly was the last time we saw him play golf. You know, the way he was talking in the press conference the other day uh, and, and the way I, uh, certain uh, rounds he's played in the last fortnight or so have been leaked. Um, it's he, he would nearly have you believe that he's managed to turn all that around yeah. in, in 9, 10, 11 weeks. Um he, he, I mean, he was apocalyptically bad. Uh, he, he was uh, embarrassed. I mean, we, we did a podcast on it at, at the time. I mean, he, w- w- there were legitimate questions at the time as to, you know, is this it? Is it, is it, is it done? Um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, Lawrence is right. You, you know, <laughs> Rory is out uh, this morning, uh, and yet 
I know the one the one round I am absolutely a gog for today is Tiger's which round. is absolutely uh, not just amazing, but it's uh, what I think is brilliant for Rory. Murph alluded to it yeah. for Rory McIlroy to be going into. The, Everybody assumed before the season started, well, there's going to be so much pressure on McElroy yeah. and going, going into that Masters. It's yeah. what he's had to talk about constantly. And now when it actually happens, everyone forgets that he's <laughs> playing the tournament. Tiger. It's bad. Uh, like, that's the start of the tournament. Yeah. You know, come Saturday, you know, if Tiger hasn't made the cutter, if he's done... If he's out early on Saturday, all anybody will care about is... We're also assuming... Yeah, we're making an assumption in some way that Rory McIlroy would be cowed by pressure. I don't think he is. I don't think so. I think he's had that in his entire life and he's gotten used to it now. And Tiger's already maybe done McIlroy the favour. You know, that it's been the last three days that maybe Rory needed to have the attention off him. And maybe today and and tomorrow. And if if it comes to Saturday and the pressure is suddenly on Rory McIlroy, well then... You know, that's he's exactly where he wants well, to be. Well, then he's the in the place on. where he wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. Lawrence, I uh, referenced Shane Lowry's Irish Times column earlier on, and it was a really lovely piece. He t- t- told a couple of really nice stories about uh, chatting away with Potter Harrington and taking a few bunker shots, and suddenly Tiger's there watching him. And he's thinking, this is all a little bit weird. But the whole the whole tone of it was just how amazed he was by the place, and it was really genuine stuff. I'm wondering, though, is it impossible for Shane Lowry not to be overawed by that? He can say the right things about... I'll just treat it as another tournament. I'll, I'll play my game, but it's it's. I mean, Rory. Almost nobody seems to be able to go there and just immediately take to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody takes it obviously in a kind of you know an emotional sense. But you yeah, know, you on, on the, the course, yeah, trying to actually yeah. trying to actually win a golf tournament. Yeah, but when you actually get down to practicalities, well, only two rookies have ever won it. Gene Saracen, I was in the second, only the second ever playing of it, so it doesn't really count because everybody was basically a rookie back then. And then uh, Fuzzy Zeller in '79 or something. So rookies don't win here, and there's a simple reason for that: is it's a, it's a very complex kind of challenge. You know, the greens are, are ludicrous. <laughs> I mean, they're running, you know, they're faster than most greens will see all year, and they're you know really complicated, and it's a I mean, I don't want to bore you with golf course architecture, but uh, you know, it was designed by Austin McKenzie, who's essentially a you know a savant, uh, you know, just a total genius who based everything he ever did on the old course, and and it's all about strategies and you know where do you, it's not you know you don't pipe your drive down the middle, you've got to find that you know you've got to pipe your drive down the right side of the fairway or the left side, you know, you know because it's all about your second shot and where do you leave you know where do you leave your ball in the green, you know, it's not simply a case of going for the flag, it's a you know, it's an incredible. You know, you you have to come here and play it a few times to 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 understand it. You know, and un- understand because it's not like the golf courses that they play every weekend, week out. You know, I'm looking here at the leaderboard. Charlie Hoffman is leading. Charlie Hoffman is a pretty good player, right? But he's a boy who goes out in the PGA Tour every week, bangs it down the middle, walks after it, bangs it again. I mean, he doesn't think about it. You know, and he doesn't have to. But when you come to Augusta National, you know, you really got to think about it. And, you know, a lot of the guys. You know, or not not used to that. You know, so Shane. I mean, Shane Lowry's a fantastic player. And but you, by the way, he's a dead right. That's a brilliant call. He's he's brilliant. It's a great. I mean, Philip Reid did that. He, the Times did a great job on it. But uh, you know, he he'll be like anybody else who's come here for the first time. He, he won't understand the nuances of it. And it used to be when it came here, you would you would you weren't allowed to have your own caddy. So you get one of the caddies out the shack. You know, the guys who are here week in week out. But now you're coming here with your caddy, just you know, just off the plane. So you're not getting that local knowledge from the from the caddy, the Augusta National caddy. So the the pair of you, you're like you're drifting an ocean, you know, in a little boat. You know, so it's hard. Um, but you know, I would expect Lowry to do because he's quite a you know he's a field player, and there's just something about him 
I really love my golfer, uh, and he, he might do decently enough. I mean, he'll do better than a lot of the rookies that come here, I, I would imagine. Apart from anything else, he's a great player. Yeah, and I guess he doesn't have to, if we're talking about pressure, he doesn't really have any that's going to his first Masters. I mean, he nah, might put them on himself, but that's he's just great he, 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 The Masters is, is um, it, the way it's set up as well is that, uh, you know, there are certain points in the course where people sit and sit for the day, you know, down around the 16th, around the sort of 12th tee and all that. But Shane will, I would say, if his round lasts four hours, I would say two and a half to three of it, there would be his family watching uh, and the family of the people that he's playing alongside. You know, they follow Tiger, they follow Mickelson, they follow Rory, and they'll sit at their certain points around the course. So, you know... he he he'd be sort of taken in. He's staying in a house with eight people, I yeah. think, over there. He's brought he's brought a pretty decent contingent. Yeah. That's just the the immediate yeah, uh, yeah, immediate friends and family there. Uh, everyone does say you have to put well Augusta to win and read those greens, obviously. But in the last ten years, there's been more of a correlation between long tour drivers and winners at mm. Augusta. And I know this, Maliki, because I stole that statistic from your Twitter feed. Well, I stole it from the Racing Post <laughs> yesterday. Uh, I thought if this it was that he would, but Dave Allen, you're stealing my bet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a really, it, it's a really interesting stat, and basically the 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 whole, the thinking behind it is that yes, uh, you have to be a good putter to win, but the greens, as Lawrence points out there the greens are so fast and you have to be in the put from the right spot in them that almost nobody masters them you know nobody are not not to not to a great enough extent to separate themselves from the field whereas if you're Bubba Watson and you can hit a 365 slice around the corner on the 13th you're left with a sand wedge to the green on a par five that is what what separates you from the rest, and that is the, one of the reasons that, like, I really think that it's it, you know it's almost a dereliction of Rory McIlroy's duty that he hasn't done better here before, particularly on the par fives. Like I, I, I heard him say earlier in the week that uh, he was level par in the par fives last year, and Bubba was eight under, and he beat him by eight strokes. Like, it's actually unacceptable for McIlroy to be level par around the par fives at Augusta. I, I was looking through his scorecards from the times that he's played there. Uh, I think he's only ever had two eagles in his seven years there. And this is, you know, on the 15th, on the 13th, uh, and on the 2nd sometimes, he's hitting very short, very short into into the green. So, you know, he's got to be better at that. Um, and and, and that is that is where he's got to think his way through the, the, the week. Alright, well I approach this last question with, with caution because as people listen, some of the big hitters will have completed their first round here. So you may <laughs> both sound ridiculous answering this question, uh, but who's going to win? Uh, a, a tip from you, Lawrence? Uh, I'm going to say Jason Day. There you go. He's done well here in the past. He hits it far. He's pretty confident and he's won this year already in the PG Tour and he's well prepared. There's your guy. Maliki? I'm going to say Rory. Rory to win? Yeah, Rory to let it, let it rain. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Rory. I'm going to throw, throw Shane Lowry in there for the greatest sports Good, yeah, story why of the that? year. That, that would be a pretty good sports story. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Maliki, great stuff. Thanks so much. Lawrence, enjoy your good Thanks a million. No worries. Yeah, thanks, mate. All the best. Take care. The training pitch is all scraped. Somebody's got somebody's to hold a hand up and say, it's like training on a car park. No, 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 no regrets about it, no. As soon as you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Who, John Delaney? He could have phoned me, of course he could have. Try my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh. I was the World Cup. 
as an ex-player and as an Irishman, and I mean an Irishman, uh, born and reared there, then I, I thought that was entitled to give my opinion. Swinging in the backyard, pull up in your fast car, whistling my name. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game. Why would you turn it off? I say you just gonna let it ring. If that was my team, I'd go into the dressing room and I wouldn't even mention the handball. I'd just say, why didn't someone put their head in it? France would have to take it and Ireland never grabbed it. Usual. Usual stuff. Afraid of that next step. Mentally not strong enough. And they can complain all they want and all these players, they can complain all they want. It's not going to change. France are going to the World Cup. Get over it. I must say, I really like that uh, Ian Poulter story. Sucking it to him. Yeah. That's working. Come on, Augusta. Now, there's probably a lot worse things you could pick out. And we have done pieces in the past. I, I don't want to be just totally glorifying everything that goes on at the uh, from the good men at Augusta National. <laughs> yeah. But we have we have done critical pieces in the past. But And there are more, there are things you can criticise pretty easier than that one little rule. But just just let Ian Poulter wear his headphones the first time mm. listen to some music well, as he I put, think um, as as I, I, and you can be sure as well that there's no that's not written down anywhere that's like that's not a rule that's just like two guys in green jackets thinking actually wait that's not right what if a patron comes up to Ian Poulter and asks him for an autograph he wouldn't be able to hear him what was his iPhone earphones in so we can't have this so uh, yeah I mean I think that's a little uh, finicky do you like Poulter's stance again? Yeah, I think he. Um, I think it's important for people to stand up for themselves, Alan, at all times. No, I mean his, his golf stance. What about his? Uh, is he addressing the ball in the correct fashion? Actually, we, we don't have time, Ken. We don't. Have time. I'll, I'll ask you off here. We had Potter Carrington on TV last year, and he was saying that he was going to watch that tournament and learn and be back this year. It's uh, he's been as good as his word, so you would hope that. People, people came up to me after that uh, TV show, and it's like, God, you know, Harrington, he's talking about. How he's like he was delusional. You know, he's talking about how he's going to be back there next year, you know. Ash, well, like, you know, that's him, though. You know, isn't it, I suppose? <laughs> you probably go, he'll probably go trying to fix that swing again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, here we are exactly, well, 366 days after that interview. And all you can say is that man is a bit of a legend to be back in Augusta uh, this year. The Fair play. Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast is out now. That's... Yeah, they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. You to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'm going to leave it there. I'd say it to you, face, not say it to you now. I will go to Wanfield and we'll see them all. With what you're doing down here, you shawny man. <laughs> Um, well, Owen, the Manchester Derby's this weekend, so we're going to talk a bit about that with John Byrne, the history of that fixture, and it's the, the tone, the texture of the fixture. Because as you, as you said yourself, Owen, it's difficult sometimes to think of new things to say about Manchester City. Uh, well, no, this is, that was off air, Ken, but I'm prepared to put my theory on air. Yeah? The conversation about Manchester City has been the same for the last four years, on and off, bar the successful years. Mm-hmm. Uh, very well-paid players. Not great manager. Patchy results. See you next season. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's hard to find new things to say. But, you know, um, 
Maybe we're going to try. We're going to try and do that. Well, we tried to do that. We have tried right. to do it. Hopefully, we've succeeded. But we let our listeners decide. And we also had uh, Richie Sadler in oh, yeah. to <clears throat> talk to us a little bit about, well, a few different things. More the other end of the table. Um, Richie thinks that it would be insane if Tim Sherwood were to emerge from this season with more credit than Sean Dyche. But you'll have to listen to find out why. Richie also brought us in some lovely Oreo cakes, Ken, and mm. I see a half-eaten one in front of you now. It's taking you all day just to get through a half a cake? Well, I've, I only started eating it about 10 minutes ago, then we had to start recording, so... Where um, have you gotten through? Uh, two on, yeah. You've through two, two, two of those I've cakes. Tasty, would yeah. you like to thank Richie Sadler on there? Um, well, I was, I was actually, I was going to call him personally and say, Richie, amazing. I've also taken a couple of selfies of me devouring one, <laughs> so... Uh, That'll be nice for Richie too. Let's not make that one public. All right, Saturday night, get online, get Box Nation, do whatever you have to do to watch this guy. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen unanswered punches. Fifteen of them really hurt. All the Irish, everyone in the house are hurting. I heard all the cheers. And he got me through that fight. Matt Carball was giving me a nightmare. And I found it really hard in there. But anyway, listen. I'm a middleweight fighter. I'm a champion now. I want to defend my belt in Ireland. And I'll fight the best in the world. Congratulations, Andy. Up the Irish. Right, left hand. Oh. By TKO victory, and now the WBO middleweight champion of the world, Irish Andy Lee. Yeah, Andy Lee defends that world middleweight title against the undefeated Peter Quillen in the early hours of Sunday morning in Brooklyn. Lou DiBella is Andy's promoter and joins us now. I'm glad to say, Lou, good to have you on the show. There's a huge crowd. They're going to be in Brooklyn for this one. It's on NBC TV, nationally on Terrestrial TV. This is a big night for Andy Lee. Uh, the biggest night for Andy. I mean, you know, this he's, he's already achieved a, a world championship. He's he's achieved that dream. Um, you know, but this is a huge, huge fight on the biggest possible stage against an undefeated uh, opponent who's a former champion himself, Peter Quillen. And you know, this is a, a fight that could catapult Andy to superstar status. And and honestly, to you know, to the kind of money that could take care of his family for years to come. So, it, it's a very very important night for Andy Lee. We, uh, I'm sure you had a lot of conversations with him around the time he won the world title about what the next step was. When we chatted to him, he he accepted there's there's a risk factor attached to this that he's fighting against an unbeaten guy. He's defending champion, but he's the outsider according to to the bookmakers. Yet I think the rewards you talk about there, he seems to feel that they're too great to turn down. That he has to go for this now at this time of his life. I think he made exactly the right decision, and I agree with him. I mean, the this is the opportunity of a, of a lifetime, and the kind of opportunity that every athlete wants. You know, the opportunity to fight the best on the biggest stage for the most money available, and uh, and to be able to achieve a uh, you know superstar status in, in, in one night. So, you know, and also boxing is a very unforgiving business, and and. Honestly, every fighter has to look at the biggest opportunity right in front of them and, and take advantage of that opportunity. 
because there are so many things that can happen. Uh, an injury in the ring, uh, a bad decision, uh, one punch can change the outcome of a fight. Um, there are so many things that can happen that, that you need to, to take the opportunities when they're presented to you. And Andy's a great champion. I mean, Andy understands that, that you know, this is a, 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 a business and a sport that requires a champion to take the biggest challenge in front of him um, and, and, and go after that, you know, the gold rank. And, and that's what Andy's doing on Saturday night. Quillen is uh, obviously a hometown guy in Brooklyn. He spent a lot of his years there. Uh, that's difficult for some fighters to go into. Andy Lee is going into the bear pit in some ways, but I guess he's he's had the experience. He fought Chavez in front of a lot of hometown fans there. So and he's yeah. this, this, isn't, this isn't a bear pit like that. This isn't like going to Texas or Mexico to fight Chavez. I mean, this is this is a city where Andy lived for for a couple of years, where he's very well liked. This is a city with a huge Irish population, uh, as you know. I mean, you know, and, and, and the Irish fans, there will be fans there to support Andy. Um, you know, P- P- Peter is from, is, is local, um, but has fought a lot of his fights in recent years outside of New York. Um, I don't see this really as, as, as you know, being thrown into the pit. Sure. And, and honestly, there are, there are pressures that go on a fighter when he's fighting in his hometown. Um, you know, everyone's bothering him for tickets. There, there's a lot of distractions when you're fighting close to home. Your family and your, your, your you know, your, your, Peter recently had a child. Their, your family's right around you, um, you know, around fight week. Um, it, it's a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. I, I, also, Andy's a very mature, uh, very, very grounded. Um, he, he's not a guy that's going to get rattled. Uh, by that, but I, I honestly think that that Saturday night um, will be just fine in Brooklyn. It has struck us, uh, speaking to Andy, we had him in studio a couple of months ago, that he has a confidence in himself now. Um, I don't know if it's from Adam Booth training him, what it is exactly, but he knows that if he's in the trenches, he can take guys out, and he's had to do that because he's been behind in fights, for example, against Matt Karaboff. Is that something you get the sense for, from him as well, that he feels that he's got the uh, he's got the ammunition, he's got the mentality now that he can yeah, there's no, stick there's, in there's, there? There's, there's, no question, yeah, there's no question. There's no question that this is a more confident. This is a... Uh, uh, um, this Andy Lee's really come into his own. And, and, and I think that, you know, Adam's made it... Adam's and he have clicked. And Adam and, and, and he have a very good working relationship, good relationship in general. Adam's a good trainer, and I think Adam's done really, really big things for him. Um, but, but I think some of it is just, you know, he, he, he pulled victory from the jaws of defeat with a thunderous punch against John Jackson. And, you know, had he lost that fight, Andy would have been, his career would have been in real trouble. But he pulled, you know, he pulled that fight out from inside of himself and knock John Jackson out in the most dramatic fashion possible. Because of that, I was able to, you know, and you know, we, we, were, we were able to um, get him a shot at a world title. And then he fought Korobov, and, and I thought the fight was pretty close when, when the knockout occurred, but the judges had Korobov clearly ahead, and Andy, you know, asserted himself and took Korobov out, out in style with a great knockout in that fight and won a world title. And then, you know, all the, the love and the accolades he's received at home in Ireland and in Limerick, um, I think it's made a huge difference in his, his mentality. You know, he, this is a very, very, very confident, um, secure Andy Lee. I think he's stronger physically than he's ever been, and I think he's stronger mentally than he's ever been. So 
I'm, I'm confident going into Saturday night. You know, Adam Boot's confident. I think we're both confident because Andy's still confident. Yeah, most importantly, that's the question. And a last one for you, Lou. We, we did see, as a promoter, it's impossible to play Andy up as the bad guy. We've seen, even in stare-down shots, he's, he's too nice to ever be the, the, the sort of bad guy. And uh, I, I presume he's not in that frame of mind this week, even though in the ring, of course, he will be. What sort of mood is he in at the moment? Um, all business. You know, he's, 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 he's carrying himself with confidence, and he's doing all the stuff he's supposed to do by week. Uh, for the promotion, but but you know he's carrying himself with confidence, and, and uh, he's not intimidated to be here. He he knows he's the champion. He believes he's the champion. Uh, you know the one thing about this fight, there isn't a bad guy in the fight anyway. I mean Peter Quillen's a a pretty nice guy, and 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 they have respect for one another. You know um, that that respect's going to be out the window when they walk into the ring. But you know you mentioned the point that no one really dislikes Andy, and no one's ever viewed Andy as the bad guy. There's not going to be a vocal crowd opposing Andy Lee. So if Andy takes, if this is a great fight, or Andy takes control of the fight, the crowd's going to be supporting the action. They're not going to be booing Andy. So I, I don't think he's got to worry about anything but his own performance. And the only place he has to be is inside of his own head and inside of Peter Quillen's head. And, 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 and uh, you know, just, just worry about taking care of business. And I, I believe he's going to take care of business. All right. I, I think that. This I think this is the best Andy Lee um, that that anyone has seen. Uh, you know, the Andy Lee that coming out of the Corabot fight. I think we're going to see the best of Andy Lee. Okay, let's hope so. Lou, enjoy the fight. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. I say I'm a million percent. That is better than a hundred percent. quite interested in that um, and Lou was quite clear there a couple of times that he doesn't see it as a hometown fight for Peter Quillen despite it being his adopted hometown there are enough swing voters that Andy can uh, mm. Rocky 4 style I was trying to avoid the mention of Rocky 4 while talking about boxing for the first time ever uh, yeah, uh, yeah tried to avoid doing it yeah. entire half hour talking about boxing there, without there. mentioning Rocky 4 but uh, I'm afraid it's been done I listened to a an interview Murph on Bill Simmons' podcast yeah with uh, Hulk Hogan Course, who the Hulkamaniac similar situation with himself. He was fighting the rock, he, he'd come back the Hulkster long after his Hulkamaniac days. Mm-hmm. He may have been Hollywood Hulk Hogan at this stage, actually. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he was fighting, fighting the rock, of course. He was the preeminent wrestler at that stage. I mean, ridiculous. Surely the rock was going to take care of him, yeah. Well, in, within uh, 10 seconds, really, yeah. just knock the guy flat yeah. out and pin him. Bang! But that's not reckoning on the Hulkster's incredible strength and mm. strength of character. So they start fighting, and originally. Everybody was supporting The Rock. I think the Hulk started come back as a bad guy. Mm. Everyone supporting The Rock. Then suddenly the old guy gets on top. Everyone starts supporting Hogan. But he said that himself and The Rock realised in the ring that the crowd had gone too far the other way. Mm. It wasn't supposed to happen like that. So they did a, they kind of did a little bit of a mental dance with each other, put on a few moves, got them back on The Rock side mm. to a certain extent, and then just battled it out to the death. It's Hulk Hogan's favourite match, Murph, even ahead of... His fight against Andre the Giant. Well, I was going to say, what about WrestleMania against, three? Uh, yeah, WrestleMania three. Yeah, I was just going to say. You look yeah. confused, Ken. What do you want to know? What do you want to know about wrestling? I really am confused. I just don't understand. No idea what I'm talking this, about. I just do not understand anything that you've just said. <laughs> I mean, why? Ken, I mean, he's anyone... talking about the ebb and flow of psychic energy in WrestleMania three. I mean, it, I, I think that's quite. It ebbed, flowed. I just don't know why. It swung anymore. one way, then the other, Ken. That's sport for you, though. It's not, though, really. Is it? <laughs> That's uh, a television program for you. Well, yeah. hang on. No. 
If you want to explore this further, Ken, you're going to tell me that wrestling's not a sport, right? That these guys don't get hurt in there. Well, I'll tell you, Hulk Hogan, in a recent interview that I heard on Bill Sims' oh, podcast, oh, God. said that when he first came up, he thought, I'm the man here. I'm going to, I'm going to be amazing. You know Andre the, the Giant, ah, Andre the Giant yeah. was like, hang on, I don't like this. Hulk well, sport. Andre the Giant was like some kind of, uh, what, a communist? I mean, what, what, Andre, come on. Was he even an American? Hulk Hogan wasn't. No, he was, a, from, he was from French or uh, France originally. Hulk Hogan. No, Armenia. Was his song not I'm, I'm a Real <laughs> he American? He was from France. No, um, no, no, wait. No, sorry, Armenia, Armenia yeah. to be specific. Yeah. So, I mean, the Soviet Union. So, Hulk Hogan stood against that. Who? No, they didn't really play it that way. You're thinking of, uh, they did actually have a, a character for the, the communist versus mm. um, versus the sort of capitalist societies. You, that uh, but no, can I finish my story, please? Oh, yeah, go on. Hulk, uh, Hulk Hogan was the big shot, big brash young kid. Under the giant thought. 37 like, years old. Under the giant thought, I don't like this. I don't like this young guy coming up thinking he's the next big thing, right? So I'm going to lay a bit of hurt on him. Hulk Hogan said he'd arrive at these uh, match-ups with Under the Giant and he had a vague idea what you're supposed to be doing in terms of outcome, process, etc. But Under the Giant, his big move, Andre, was to sit on his opponents, right? He was about 650 pounds. Mm. So What? He, yeah. Hulk, Hulk Hogan... 650 and, pounds? Can we just let him get to the end of the story? Hang please? on a second. This could go on all day. And Andre... Rather than the big move was to sit on his opponent, but obviously yeah. he would normally give, there'd be a little bit of give there. He wouldn't just squash him. But when it was Hulk Hogan in the early days, he'd squash the life out and break his ribs. Kick what an athlete! Yeah, incredible. Yeah. So, I'll never so to all again, those people saying sport. wrestling isn't a sport, I present to you Andre the Giant's special move: sitting on his opponent. <laughs> uh, and yes. Well, listen to all of your wrestling uh, buddies out there. On, uh, I'm sure they really enjoyed that story. But you know, yeah, I can. Six hundred fifty pounds. I'm I'm unsure about that. I don't. That's the, I mean, that's a three hundred kilo man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Wikipedia this now. I'll get back to you about this. Get back to Let's get back to the boxing, Murph. Andy is on Twitter today. He's in good form. Uh, he is indeed. Give us his latest tweet, please. Um, we, just well, need, we just need him to confirm at this point that he's he's good to go. Yeah, that he's, he's showed up and all the rest. But uh, he was replying to Martin Murray and a fellow middleweight. Uh, thank you for all the messages and the support. I'm in good spirits and eager to fight. Two days to go. We're all behind Jandy. We cannot wait for this final. All right, the football podcast is out now. Richie Sadler uh, was in, and we're all talking about the Manchester Derby. Quick reminder about the Irish Times Fantasy Golf. There's a great prize up for grabs there. And if you just want to go to fantasygolf.irishtimes.com, you can have a look and enter for free. Thanks very much, Kieran. Thank you, Owen. And thank you, Ken. Thank Thanks, you, Kieran. And thank you, Owen. Thanks for listening. Chat soon. Is that? It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those 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 boys.